0: So, hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF One F One podcast, the Independent F One podcast show, where we talk all of the latest gossip, news, and events in the world of Formula One, and we like to relay that back to you for your listening or viewing pleasure, depending of p- course on what cha- or what platform you choose to follow us on. I am terrible today. I'm I'm going to roll with it anyway, Courtney, because I've done about three or four of these now. Usually, guys, when when I do the intro, first time, bam, 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 like literally just nail it, I don't even have to think about it anymore, but for today for some reason, absolutely all over the place, so you know what, the intro's there, sort of, we'll just roll with it anyway, regular listeners will know exactly what I'm going to say anyway, better than I do, but look, Courtney, thanks for joining us once again, obviously, you know, co-hosting this with me, and, and there's quite a lot to talk about, you know, even though the, the race itself, the Turkish Grand Prix that we'll get into in just a moment, it wasn't... A highlight on the calendar, I suppose, compared to some of the other races that we've had. It certainly wasn't as dramatic as what we saw in Turkey, uh, what we saw in Russia, I should say. But we've had quite a lot of things go on today and quite a lot to talk about. So we're going to get into it. And of course, first things first, we should address is Valtteri Bottas getting his first win of the season, his first win in Formula One since the Russian Grand Prix last season, well overdue. And, you know... It it's, It whilst it was overdue, it certainly didn't seem that way, the way that Valtteri Bottas drove today. He was absolutely flawless, consolidated his qualifying position that he inherited owing to Lewis Hamilton's uh, engine penalty. And he never looked back from the absolute start and drove to a brilliant result today on World Porridge Day, no less. Um, so, you know, you can make the comparisons all you want. I'm sure Valtteri had a healthy dose of porridge to sort of give him the energy today. But first things first, Courtney, Dissecting that major headline from the race, Valtteri Bottas getting the win. How critical a day, a performance was this from Valtteri Bottas in getting that win?
1: Um, I'd say that Valtteri's performance today is probably up there with one of his best from Mercedes. Um, It was flawless in tricky conditions. You know, we saw other drivers struggle with the tyres. But Valtteri was pretty spot on. Yeah, as I said, pretty flawless. Um, obviously the scenario with um, Lewis taking a penalty helped him towards the win I think Mercedes have been strong all weekend but at the end of the day I was very critical of Valtteri at the way that he defended against Max in Sochi but he, did, he literally didn't look back this weekend You know, he didn't really come under any real pressure from who has been one of the drivers of the season in Max Verstappen so I think, I think Valtteri's as I said, one of the best performances in his time with Mercedes. And I'd say he probably drove one of the best is probably one of the best performances on the entire grid today.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. And, you know, you mentioned Max Verstappen, of course, who has now taken the lead of the driver's championship back from Lewis Hamilton after a solid P2 today, um, which we'll get into a little bit later, but it, it did seem for Valtteri today that, you know, he was in the right position. It felt that if he could keep Max behind at the start, With the difficult conditions, of course, we were expecting a dry race, but it was very similar to what we saw yesterday, and it just didn't really let up. We were expecting a crossover, which never really came. But Valtteri managed to handle the early pressure uh, that Max put on him, and every time Max tried to pick up his pace, Valtteri just always seemed to have an answer. I mean, is there something to this from a mental side uh, for Valtteri Bottas? Because I mean, we've talked in the past, Courtney, before about how Valtteri Bottas, sometimes he looks a little bit lost or he's looking like mentally he's not really there at the moment in the car and that there are some days where he's absolutely missing compared to what Lewis is doing. And perhaps we should be thinking about it um, a bit more broadly, uh, given that it's World Mental Health Day as well, we should mention that as well, that it's so important for a driver of Valtteri's calibre because given... On days when he's been missing or things have been going on in his life, i.e. thinking about his future or thinking about where he's going to be next season. Now that he's got that sorted, other than Russia, Valtteri's been incredibly quick and very solid. Um, he was in Italy. If he had a better grip position, he could have staked the claim to win that race. Russia, we'll never really know because of the grid penalty he had to take, but he looked, he'd always been good there, and he won today. Is it with Valtteri Bottas, once he's got everything sort of set in his mind that he's happy mentally and in a good place, with his F1 future now sorted, is that something that he needs, that security to really bring out the best in him?
1: I think there's, uh, that certainly uh, it could possibly be the case. Um, If you have a look at Valtteri's career, he's always, he's always been uncertain as to what's going to come next year. You know, he's always been waiting to get that confirmation. You know, is he going to be at Mercedes or, you know, is George Russell going to come along? And now that's finally been set in stone and he does have his future sideways. where he's going to be going to Alfa Romeo. Basically he's, he's probably just a lot more calm within himself. And he thought, you know what, I'll probably have many more opportunities to, Win races of Formula One. Given you know, obviously even Mercedes, he's not really going to get many chances unless Alpha Romeo pulls something out of the bag next year. So I was thinking, you know what, this could be my chance to get another F1 win, or potentially my last F1 win. And yeah, as I said earlier on, he didn't look back. He, uh, honestly, I really do believe that was one of his best races. He was brilliant today.
0: Yeah, he absolutely didn't put didn't put a foot wrong at all. Um, I mean, in the post race interview. Uh, Paul De Resta was asking Toto Wolff about, you know, why is it sometimes, uh, you know, as as a driver, why do you feel that Valtteri Bottas sometimes is completely nowhere? And then when everything aligns perfectly for him, he puts together a performance like that. And Toto said, well, you're the racer, Paul, you, you should tell me. You know, I've stopped trying to understand the mentality and mindset of, of a lot of F1 drivers. And I can understand that because it feels strange that Valtteri can put together a performance like that. Um, And he has been putting in strong performances the last couple of races. And yet, for most of this season, he's, as I said, he's not really been, he's been a moot point more than anything else, I suppose. So it's a strange one. But I think the conclusion we can draw from a performance like today is when Valtteri is feeling good, his head's in the right place, he feels comfortable in the car, he can translate that speed that we all know he's got and put together a performance like this quite emphatically because, as you mentioned, Courtney, this could be potentially the final F1 victory in Valtteri Bottas's F1 career. Obviously, he's still going to have a few more years to go at least. But the chances are he's probably not going to be in a car that's capable of being in a position to win a Grand Prix in the way that he did today.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. But I think another thing that is helping Valtteri is that I sense Mercedes are unlocking pace of his car. I think it's worth noting that you, know, you can maybe think, yeah, some of these tracks recently have suited Mercedes. But if you have a look back earlier on in the season, there were circuits to be expected Mercedes to be dominant at and it didn't, it didn't turn out that way. Red Bull and Max, you know, stole the show. And it just seems that we the last last few races Mercedes have been more consistent. And you know what, I just I just get the feeling they've unlocked pace in this car because, you know, with the regulation change coming along this season, they did struggle particularly at the start of the season, but they just seem to be learning. And the improvement in the car will not only benefit Lewis, but of course it's going to benefit Valtteri as well. They'll probably find it easier to find a setup that they prefer. Because the pair of them, both Lewis and Valtteri, they were strong all weekend. You know, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean because you have the fastest car, both drivers are going to do well. We've seen this, we've seen this all all season, um, the difference between, the tournaments between Max and um, Sergio Perez. Both drivers were strong. And I just get the sense that right now, despite Red Bull scoring more points, I just get the feeling that Mercedes are a bit more confident with their general package at the moment.
0: Yeah, no, that would be something for the championship. I mean, I think a lot of us have expected Red Bull to feel like they're in a position where they do have the car and the driver right now that should be favourites win this world championship. I still believe that that's the case, but it does seem this weekend whilst... You know, we thought, I mean, we can go back to the last episode we did and, and we all kind of felt we were in agreement that Red Bull, we thought we going to be favourites here. Turned out we were all wrong in that regard. I think we can, first of all, we can say that much. But yeah, we'll own that. Yeah, we'll own that one. We were wrong. It's definitely more leaning towards Mercedes from what we saw and what the, so many experts were saying. Fair enough. But even then, it, it seemed like it was going to be very, very close. And on a day like today, even in qualifying and practice, Mercedes always seemed to have the upper hand, especially in Lewis's hands. He had quite a margin of pace in dry conditions and he was rather solid today in the wet for the most part so you do feel that there is an element of truth to that perhaps Mercedes have found something to try and close the gap to Red Bull at least so that when we go to some of the other races where Red Bull expected to be much stronger and we're actually right for saying that for once it should be a lot closer than we're actually expecting so there's still plenty to go in this world championship but look let's go into the race itself there's Let's kind of try and uh, review this race properly and get into it. So, of course, the first part of the race, Courtney, the start, there was a lot of, you know, there was drizzle coming down. It wasn't a massive amount of rain, but it was certainly more than enough to uh, to warrant having to start on the intermediate tyres. There was an expectation in the race that we were going to have to change over to the drier compound tyres, which we never really saw, other than Sebastian Vettel taking a gamble later on, which we'll get into. But... um. It it kind of felt to me that Bottas needed to get the perfect start off the line. If he could beat Verstappen out of turn one and pull away, he could control the pace of this race. Did you feel that was the case, that Valtteri Bottas needed to do just that to keep Max behind him? Or did you feel that you know Bottas was going to have Max all over him for most of this race and it'd be a bit of a handful to keep him back, especially in the wet conditions, which at the time did seem to suit the Red Bull more than Mercedes?
1: I think with the pace advantage that Mercedes seemed to have this weekend. I don't think it would have been the end of the world, but we've seen countless times, particularly in his era, how difficult it is to manage your tires when you're stuck up behind somebody for too long. Not it's not ha- as detrimental in wet conditions, but it's still far from ideal. So, you know, when you're when you're ahead and you know you have clean air in front of you, it's so much cheap, much more easier to manage the race and that's why Valt- Valtteri was able to you know, go fast or slow down whenever he needed to to manage that gap over Max. So the start was ideal. It would have been interesting to see how Valtteri would have reacted if he uh, was overtaken by Max. But uh, I guess we'll never know. And given the circumstances, Valtteri did a perfect job.
0: Mm. Yeah, he did. Um, and Valtteri, to his credit, is a very good frontrunner. When he's in a position where he's got everything under control, um, he hasn't got to do much overtaking, he can just leave the race at the pace and tempo he wants to, he's almost as good as anybody. You know, Hamilton-esque, if you like. You know, that's something that he's always been good at. And to a degree, Max. Sebastian
1: Vettel was the one I remember. With he Sebastian was. Vettel led races. He was supreme.
0: Yeah, arguably probably the one of the best front runners I think I've ever seen in Formula 1. Yeah. Uh, and Bottas, again, he showed those hallmarks today, you know. And more often than not, when Bottas wins a Grand Prix, that's kind of the performance he puts in. That's the type of race that he wins. A race that he can lead from the front hasn't got to worry about what's behind him and to control the pace. I can't think of many Grand Prix where Valtteri's had to fight his way through the field to get a victory. It's usually this type of race. So it certainly suited him um, and the pace was there. I mean, did it feel at any point that, you know, because for me, I I thought that Red Bull may be holding back a little bit, looking after the tyres, because the conditions were, it was taking a while to dry out and to the point it never really did until the very, very end of the race, by which time it was too late. But he always felt to me that Red Bull were holding back a little bit to the point where Max could look after his tyres, let Valtteri just have a little bit of a gap, and then as soon as Red Bull were ready to unleash that pace, they could do so and overhaul Bottas. The the most incredible thing for me is that Max did that. I think it was around lap 16 they said to him on the radio, like, "Okay, Max, you've looked after the tyres well, now you can get after Valtteri. But as soon as Max did that, Valtteri responded immediately and stretched the gap even further. I mean... How surprised were you by that? Did you feel that Red Bull were doing something like that? Or did you feel that Valtteri always had uh, that spare pace in his pocket if he needed to bring it out?
1: I think when you're watching a race live, um, particularly when it's raining, you never count your chickens when you have a look at the timing screens between the drivers because some drivers just perform so much better in the wet conditions. So it could go from like a five-second gap to a two-second gap within a uh, within a lap. For example, so I never take the timing screens too seriously because you'd always see like a a jump of maybe you know half a second a lap between Max and Valtteri, and usually it'd be like a, a tenth or two in dry conditions. So it's very difficult to really gauge. But generally speaking, it did look like Valtteri was managing it because there was that, that that phase of the race where you mentioned where Max got a little bit closer, but that didn't last any longer than maybe three or four laps, and then Valtteri stole the charge again. So it just seemed that they had. A manageable gap to cover the, the pit stops because we all know obviously how uh, pivotal the pit stops can be particularly given our Red Bull uh, do seem to be the strongest in the pits so they just I just think Mercedes made the manageable gap to Max and it just it just seemed that um, Valtteri's side of the garage had it all completely covered throughout the race
0: yeah they certainly did and um, you mentioned the pit stops of course Red Bull today they had a much better day in the pits um there's a lot more human elements that are going into these pit stops now that have kind of hurt Red Bull more than the rest because Red Bull use a lot of sensors and AI equipment if you like to kind of help them produce these mega fast pit stops. Today they were more like their old self in that regard so they managed to finally get on top of that especially Verstappen I think it was like 2.1 seconds which was probably the fastest stop that they've done since they set that record 1.88 pit stop a while ago but um you know so yeah you're right Mercedes did team to manage that well with Bottas's race it seemed like a quite an easy race for them to manage for him uh, and most of the focus was on Lewis Hamilton quite rightly who himself he was making quite a few overtakes early on in the race um excuse me i remember him getting uh, Seb Vettel uh, at turn 12 round the outside really really nicely um on the first lap Seb wasn't really going to fight that i think he knew that Lewis was not going to be racing him today so um obviously Seb fought a little bit, but obviously saw Hamilton and thought, you know what, as much as I like fighting against Lewis, it's just not going to, I'm not that guy at the moment. It's just not going to happen. One incident we probably should look at, a couple of incidents early in the race were involving Fernando Alonso, who did an incredible job in qualifying. You know, he was starting P6, looking very, very solid. And uh, he he went for a very bold move around the outside of turn one to try and overtake Pierre Gasly. And he very, very nearly pulled it off. Um, But then he got tagged by Gasly, um, on the exit of turn one, which sent him into a bit of a spin, which pretty much ruined his race completely. Um, I mean, how did you see that incident, Courtney? Did you feel that um, that was Pierre Gasly's fault and that the five second time penalty and the two penalty points he got from the stewards as a result were fair? Or, or did you feel that that was just a racing incident purely and simply because Fernando, was well actually no you know what I'll, I'll let you answer that first before I give yeah. my because I don't want to answer the question and then ask you because I do uh, have yeah. a, anyone who listens to the show does probably would have figured that I do have a tendency sometimes to offer my opinion in the question almost as if I'm answering the question for them and then that ask them
1: Adam. That you yeah I, I just got to know witted like
0: yeah but yeah go for it
1: all <laughs> right I'll go ahead I'll fire away um i I personally believe that the five-second penalty was harsh. I think, first of all, it was a first-lap incident, which we do usually deem as racing incidents. We've gone through this this debate throughout the season, you know, some of the battles we've seen. But also, if you have a look through the replays, Gasly was actually sandwiched between Perez on the left and Alonso on the right. And I don't think, actually, again, given the conditions that these drivers are in, I think it's very harsh to give Gasly a penalty. He He didn't really have anywhere to go. So I think it think should have just been a racing incident. But the stewards obviously look at how detrimental the accident was to Fernando. obviously saw him go pretty much to the back. And I feel sorry for Fernando. He had a strong weekend up to that point. But I just feel, yeah, I do. I feel that the, um, the penalty was harsh given that Gasly didn't really have much room for manoeuvre really.
0: Mm. Well, no, that's very, very true. I mean, I thought he had a little bit of room on the left-hand side. I don't think Perez squeezed him as much as Gasly made out at the time, but only Gasly can only see so much in that position in the cockpit. Mm. So it probably looked like Perez was right on him when he was trying to give him enough room. So if someone's steaming around you on the outside, there's not much you can do about it. I mean, the way turn one's kind of undulates, especially in the wet conditions when it's completely complete unknown. I mean, Alonso literally just went for it and hoped the grip was there and he almost pulled it off. But um, I thought the penalty was very, very harsh. I don't even think it was Gasly's fault. I think it was just one of those that, look, it's the first lap, tracks wet conditions. No one really, really knows how much grip is there. Alonso's gone for it at speed. And even if they didn't make contact, I don't think Fernando would have completed that move on the road. He did seem like he was drifting away over over the white line onto the curbs for all four wheels. I mean, he was halfway there already. Um, And anyone that's been watching this weekend will know that you know, any moves over the white line will be, you know, they won't be able to complete that. Uh, times have been deleted in qualifying yesterday over that and stuff like that. So for me, I, I think it was incredibly harsh. Um, I think it's important to talk about the state of the steward in the moment in F1 because there's a lot of inconsistency with these moves. And we've seen these kind of incidents that kind of go 50-50, either the stewards don't punish it or they do. And, you know, it's, yeah, okay, some situations do lend themselves to some more scrutiny than others and you know some of these things can literally be situational in terms of, you know, you can't judge every single situation the same. You have to judge it on its merits on what happens and and where at the time. But do you feel that perhaps F1 should consider the option of having the same stewards um for every single grand prix like have an elected Um, number of stewards for every single race and just use them rather than swapping all the time because they used to mention on the broadcast who was actually steward in the race like different people they don't do it anymore interestingly but i feel like they should probably have the same people involved just for that consistency because that's right everybody's got a different level of judgment and sometimes i feel like f1 is impacted negatively more so than not Because they have different people making decisions on incidents that are rather similar, ironically, because I'm saying you can't judge it the same. But what do you what do you think?
1: I think, yeah, so I completely agree about having the same people if possible. Um, Again, you said it yourself, it's the consistency. The consistency is a problem because, you know what, we're not as outraged about that decision about Gasly because... It's not defining a world championship, but these these people are fighting their own battles, and you know these decisions can cost these teams millions of dollars at the end of the season through prize money. So I think it is important for them to be consistency. And I think that the the point that you raised about having the stewards named, I think you'd have if that was the case. I think you'd get a similar problem that we sometimes get in football, where referees get accused of own biases. Having a bias towards certain teams. So you can imagine if there was like a steward that was giving Max Stappen penalties consistently, they go, Oh, look, he's a Lewis fanboy, particularly if he's British. So I think they sometimes try and keep the names low key to avoid that kind of disruption. But I do agree. I I think there should be more consistency with who's steward in the races.
0: Yeah, damn you, social media. This is why we can't have nice things. That's yeah. it. and and i'm thinking as well to protect the um stewards as well where they don't mention who yeah. it is just because of the online abuse that people mm-hmm. might send them wronging wrongly of course regardless of what decision they make whether people agree with it or not it's always down to different interpretations but you know fernando himself um he did say that he thought it was a racing incident he told canal plus i believe it was that um he felt that the incident was a racing incident. You know, he was very unlucky, for Fernando, because it was a really bold move, and I think if he'd pulled that off, he could have been much more of a factor in the race today than he ended up being. Um, the big winner in all of that was Sergio Perez, who was able to jump up to P4th, and of course, we'll get into his race. But the other incident that the stewards really looked at, of course, involving Fernando Alonso again, was the one he uh, where he spun Mick Schumacher around um, on, I believe it was lap two at turn four. For me pretty much as cut and dry as a five-second time penalty as you're ever going to get, really. Uh, what did you think?
1: Yeah, I just think Fernando uh, Alonso was still in a state of red mist and he didn't—he wasn't behaving 100% rationally. Easy, easy, it's easily said from somebody who's in an F1 car in wet conditions, I know. But at the same time, when these kind of things happen, doesn't matter how grieved you feel, you need to calm down. I just feel that he wanted to instantly respond to the disappointment, get ahead of Mick but he's probably a little bit too rash and he, yeah, he got the correct um, punishment for it.
0: Mm. And it was a real shame as well for Mick Schumacher because he still drove a relatively good race today. I mean, he only finished ahead of his teammate. There weren't any retirements at all in a wet race, which was an achievement in its own right. So well done, everybody, for that. But um, yeah, he still finished ahead of his teammate quite convincingly, despite being so far behind at the beginning, and he put together an incredible qualifying performance. So I feel for Mick Schumacher, but again, he was still able to show this weekend throughout the whole of it other than that incident which weren't his fault that he's still improving and that I'm pretty sure teams are going to be taking notice of Mick Schumacher especially from what he did in qualifying it was very very impressive um just looking on to the next incidents uh throughout the race um one person I did want to talk about as the race was going on was Sergio Perez because Sergio Perez um and Lewis Hamilton as well actually no, let's, let's talk about Lewis um we can get onto Perez in just a moment, but Lewis, of course, he had a very, very different objective today than his teammate Valtteri Bottas and Max Verstappen, for example. He started eleventh on the grid after securing pole position quite emphatically, uh, getting his hundred and second pole position. His job was very much to try and slice and dice his way through the field in the same way that Max did in Sochi. Um, and in the early parts of the race, Corny, it did seem that Lewis was going to make that charge happen to the point where he might have been a factor for the race win today. Uh, he got past Vettel early on, struggled a little bit to get past Tsunoda, but he managed to clear in, him as well. And then he managed to get past Norris and then Pierre Gasly as well and Lance Stroll. So in the early part of the race, I think it was like 16 laps in, Lewis was already up into fifth position, I believe, or sixth place, something like that. Um, did you feel at that point that Lewis was... Um, you know, recent meeting those expectations of where you thought he'd be and perhaps he could factor for a podium or a race win?
1: Yeah, um, when you look back through the race itself, I think he spent a little bit too much time behind Sonoda, which actually cost him a lot of time. If you have a look through the amount of time he would have spent behind him. Um but he made some great moves along the way. You know, I think some of them reason like like Stroll and Gadsley overtakes were fairly simple for him. Or he, he made it look easy. We whichever way you want to take it. But yeah, it's just by that point, he had too much too much ground to make up, even in wet conditions. And as we know, further on for the race, strategy had a big part to play sort of where he finished.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, it did seem to that point that when he was coming towards Sergio Perez, that he was going to get his first real test. I'm, ju- I'm just looking through my notes for the race that um, mm. this was kind of like the big, big moment. Um, oh, I think it was like lap 33 or something like that, when... Hamilton caught up to Perez and then that brilliant battle in the final sector um, of that lap where you had Hamilton trying to go around the outside of Perez into turn 12. Perez breaking quite late to stay ahead of him on the inside, managed to hold on um, to the point where Hamilton went with the inside of turn 13, almost forcing Perez into the pit lane. And Perez brilliantly um, managed to avoid the bollard, which where the pit lane entrance was, cut through that area um, and then keep hold of the place and then beat Lewis into the run down to turn one. I mean, that was arguably the best segment of the race, really, in terms of battling. I mean, how, how fun was that to watch? How impressed were you with Perez? Because this was such an inc- important moment for his season, um, where he had to play the team game for Max and for Red Bull to keep Lewis behind him in the way that Valtteri wasn't able to do so to Max in Russia. Um how impressed were you by Perez in making that move stick off? And and that was the moment really that kept him ahead of Hamilton in the race.
1: I think there was impressive race craft from the pair of them. I think, you know, there are certain drivers that have that mutual respect from each other and they know the limits that they can race to. And I think Sergio and Lewis have that. So I think it was the highlight of the race. Um, but the race itself, don't go on, on a slight tangent for a wet race. It wasn't the most entertaining. So you're right. This, this, This moment was probably the most entertaining part of the race. And I think, you know, both drivers deserve credit for, you know, staying on track. They didn't barge barge into each other. We saw other drivers do it in a race. So, yeah, I think it was a great, a great moment for the pair of them. And obviously, if Lewis had got ahead of Sergio, the result could have been different.
0: Yeah, I mean, I kind of look back on how this race unfolded. And for me... I think the critical moment in Perez's race was at that point. I think if Lewis gets ahead of him, he's got some clear air. He can get after the likes of Leclerc, Verstappen and Bottas ahead of him. Not sure how much pace Lewis would have had in the bag before Perez eventually made his pit stop. But it was at that point in the race where you felt that Lewis was on a charge and that if he managed to clear Perez all bets are off in terms of not only could Lewis catch up to the likes of Max and Leclerc, but it could end up winning the race. I feel like Mm. at any point in this race, if Lewis got into P2 with Valtteri ahead of him, that inevitable radio call from Mercedes would have been to Bottas to say, look, Lewis is in P2. You got to get out of the way for Lewis. He's fighting for a championship here. Whether Valtteri would have honored that or not, given the position he found himself in, um, I'm not sure. But experience would lead me to suggest that um, he probably would have played the team game for Lewis on that occasion. Um, I mean, it's quite an interesting dynamic in this championship, Courtney, not to get sidetracked a little bit, but, you know, we're coming to this point in the season now where every point is going to count, and literally every point is going to count at this point. And, you know, Valtteri's performances have been improving, obviously got the win today. And Lewis is really going to need Valtteri to help him as much as he possibly can in the way that Verstappen will need Perez to. And you almost feel that for Valtteri Bottas, there's literally no incentive for him to help Lewis Hamilton win this championship other than to help Lewis win this championship out of just being nice, you know, the niceness of his heart or something like that. Um, do you feel that if such a situation arises for the rest of the season where Valtteri may have to give way to Lewis, uh, which could cost him a victory to help Lewis's championship cause, do you think is going to do it now? Or do you feel that with the contract that he has for Alfa Romeo, which could end up being Andretti, of course, next season there's no real incentive for him to do that. So do you think he will do it for Lewis?
1: Do you know what? I wish I could answer your question, but deep down, I really don't know. I really don't know because at this stage, Valtteri Bottas is racing for his pride. So in in one sense, that could help Lewis and Mercedes win their respective championships, because look, we all know that that pride can be a great driver for us. So that, That could be one of the reasons why we've seen Valtteri perform better, as we stated at the beginning of the episode. So in one sense, it could help Mercedes. But if that kind of situation occurs, we could see trouble in a vital part of the championship. Because you're right, every single point is going to count. And I think something we might even need to consider going in towards the end of the season are the fastest laps. That single point could make the whole difference. And we've seen... We saw Valtteri Bottas potentially almost rob Lewis of a fastest lap in one of the races previously. We've mm. seen Sergio Perez rob Lewis of a fastest lap in Silverstone, I believe.
0: Yeah, that's so right. Yeah.
1: This is another thing that we're going to have to look at towards the end of the season. So it wouldn't surprise me if you've got, say, Lewis and Max first and second, respectively, and you've got Sergio Perez, I don't know, Sergio Perez in. 7th, Valtteri's 4th but beyond Sergio Perez there's plenty of room there are going to be situations where Perez for example or Valtteri Bottas could still fastest laps from Lewis or Max respectively and it could play this could be a major part of who wins this drivers championship it hasn't really been mentioned too much from the people in the media but it definitely needs to be noticed
0: I think it's something that's going to come to people's attention uh, as the season reaches its climax it really will And it's so tight between Max and Lewis at the moment. And, you know, Max has taken the lead of the championship by a few points again from Lewis Hamilton. But I just feel like we're at that point now where every point literally will count. And one misjudgment or miscall or one mistake from a teammate that costs their partner points, it literally could be the difference between winning this championship and not winning this championship. And, you know, we said before, we hope that mechanical issues or anything like that don't play its part. And, you know, Lewis... Well, I mean, Mercedes took that call to give Lewis a new ICE um, rather than a whole new engine. So it seems to me that they're going to try and play that balancing act, really, of how much they can manage without Lewis having to take another penalty um, and lose points altogether. So it literally could come down to the smallest of, of incidents that decides this championship. It really does. And I really hope that at the end of the day, there's no excuse depending on which driver mm-hmm. wins this championship, something silly like that. You, know, you just want it to come down to whoever can get... Whoever was the better man, if you like, whoever's the better driver on uh, this season. And we'll have to wait and see how that, fit, uh, you know, comes to its conclusion. Um, you know, we, we got to the critical critical point of the race, I should say, with Max Verstappen obviously making his first pit stop. Now, it seemed to be at that point in the race, Courtney, where Daniel Ricciardo, I think he pitted on lap 22, lap 23. And on the radio, McLaren had said to him, do you think that uh, a new set of Inters, would you be much faster? He said, yeah, definitely faster. But at the time, it didn't really seem to work for him. And he was down in 16th, 17th place. He was struggling behind George Russell. He just couldn't go anywhere. Where Carlos Sainz, of course, we'll talk about him in a bit. His race was comp- was brilliant in terms of how he managed to get his way through the field. Ricardo just struggled. And he didn't have anything to lose. But there was always that worry, as we saw last year, that teams that wanted to pit for new inter tires, the track just wasn't drying out. Which meant that those that were on the worn dried-up intermediate tyres that were basically acting like slicks, they were still having a benefit rather than those on new inters. The tyres were just heating up and they were sliding all over the place and they just weren't getting the benefit for the first seven or eight laps. So it seemed that way for a while, but then Verstappen was the first to blink of the lead runners. He did so, made a relatively quick pit stop, as we said already, and he seemed to be okay. And then, of course, Perez and Bottas responded in kind, which left, of course, Charles Leclerc out leading for Ferrari, on merit, on old tyres, and Lewis Hamilton going with him. Did you feel at the time that that was the right call to bring those guys in at that point? Or did you feel that perhaps they were potentially sacrificing track position for reasons we're going to get into in a moment?
1: Do you know what? I was kind of getting flashbacks from last season where Lewis put that masterclass in and you know effectively turned those intermediate tyres into slits. But I think the thing that we forgot is that there was... An almost continuous drizzle going on this year, whereas the track was drying throughout last season. So the 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 the, the slicks don't really have as much as an effect, um, you know. Which goes into the debate we're going to mention later on in the race. But I think the main problem was when you put those in intermediate tires on, as you have already said, the first six or seven laps with the graining, the drivers were markedly slower. So that was the big dilemma that once they saw what happened with Chiado, that was the big dilemma that every single driver had to think about when deciding whether to pit or not.
0: Yeah, I mean, everyone was sort of thinking about the crossover and more specifically when that was going to be. At some point in the race, they said halfway, it might end up being a crossover to Drys, Uh perhaps later on in the race. It never really happened. And with the track surface being a big improvement on what we had last year in terms of grip, I always felt there was going to be someone that might try and be a bit bold and take that risk and go for dry ties. And in the end, that was Sebastian Vettel for Aston Martin on lap 37, who put on the medium ties, come out of the pits on, and I looked at his ties and I thought, I saw the yellow wall strike warning, him and I'm like, oh God, he hasn't put the mediums on has he, and have not behold, he did. And I just thought, he's struggling to come out of the pit lane. Surely, immediately, he's regretted this decision and... He was all over the place going off the track and just sliding off. It just goes to show that even when there's a dry line forming on the circuit, if you can't find it or you, you get those dry tyres onto any wet, damp patches, you're just going to be aquaplaning everywhere, even when there's not much standing water. So evidently we saw that that was not the right call to make. I mean, in their position, Courtney, I suppose you can forgive Aston Martin because at that point Vettel was out of the points... Um, and was falling down the order. He just had nothing to lose, really. But um, I'm wondering who made that call, really. Was it Vettel? Was it Aston Martin? Or perhaps a bit of both? Just throw a Hail Mary and see if someone catches it. It just never happened for him today.
1: You always get that, though. In wet conditions, you always get one of either the backmarkers or the midfield teams that don't really have much to lose or could find themselves being a hero of the race. So, in a way, you can't blame them. But... You know what? They took a gamble and it didn't pay off. It's as simple as that. So obviously it looks embarrassing the way he was slipping about. But at the end of the day, pace-wise, Aston Martin weren't really there. So they thought take the gamble. But yeah, it didn't, it didn't work out, unfortunately.
0: No, it's a shame because, um you know, Vettel, he usually goes well around Turkey. Uh, you know, he got on the podium last season for Ferrari, Um, you know, and today it just didn't really work for him his teammate had a good day Lance Stroll but it just didn't really work for Vettel unfortunately uh he took that sort of hero strategy gamble and it just really didn't pay off for him at all it was the wrong call to make at the time and I think mm. it's one of those where I don't even think Aston Martin believed it was the right call I think they just kind of threw the dice and hope that it will pull up their lucky number and unfortunately it wasn't to be today um but let's get on to obviously how the race kind of went from there we had a situation where Charles Leclerc was leading we had um, Hamilton still you know uh, he was ahead of Perez because Perez made his stop Verstappen was ahead of him after making his pit stop which was quite crucial I think and so was Bottas as well at a at a time I was sort of trying to wrap my head around what Ferrari were doing it because I was thinking back to um, a, a time when I was on the F1 game uh, in wet conditions and I remember in the race other people had pitted but it wasn't dry enough for dry tires, but they were putting on the dries. And I thought, if I stick these in, if I leave the Inters on that I had and go to the end, I could win the race. And I was able to pull that off on the game. Now, of course, that's not saying much because it was a game. So, you know, you take that for what you want. But I realized very quickly that there's, there's no rule technically that mandates the drivers to have to make a pit stop if they're on wet tires. So in theory, I was thinking to myself, could Charles Leclerc really go to the end of the Grand Prix without pitting and win the race? And at a time, it seemed like that was doable. And then he made that big mistake locking his brakes at at turn 12, which I think really wrecked his tyres. But it was quite funny to see himself and Ferrari mulling over this. And they mulled over this for a few laps where even Charles said on the radio, saying, can we go to the end? And then at first, Ferrari said, oh, we're not sure we'll have to look into that for you. And then they said, yes, let's go to the end. Um... Where would your head have been at with this decision, Courtney? Because it seemed like Ferrari were mulling over this for a few laps and um, you could argue that this potentially cost them the race, or at the very least, the podium. But um, do you think Ferrari were right to leave Leclerc out a bit longer or do you think that perhaps they should have just said, you know what, let's be safe, pit now and get put some new inters on like Verstappen and Bottas and you'll end up with a podium?
1: Yeah, hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? Um, at the time, it did look like you know, with the, the the first phase of the, um, the new intermediates where the drivers in the pit were struggling. At the time, it was like, okay, looks like it'd be the right idea to uh, stay on the slicks. But once that phase comes to an end, other drivers, they was able to be on a similar pace. And it, it does seem that there would have been a drop-off with those slick um, operating tyres, because I think they they mentioned um, Giovanazzi. I think, I think it was Giovinazzi who actually did it. I think Giovanazzi did the whole race, on um, the intermediates, was it Givinatti? No, it, it, was, it was Ocon. it, was That's
0: Ocon it Ocon Ocon. Yeah, and he got in the points, and, yeah. So,
1: but he, I, but I think he had, a, I think he, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he had a three second a lap drop off at the very end of the race. Yeah. And we'll I think the telling moment yeah. for me, I think the telling moment for me was just, you're right, that moment where he locked up slightly Leclerc and then Valtteri Bottas was just. Gaining, gaining, gaining from that point onwards. And I think that mulling, yeah, with hindsight, cost Ferrari. They should have reacted. I I I do believe that if you're at the front and you're in a good position, I think you should be reactive to those around you and be on a similar strategy. But, you know, it was, again, it was worth a go. But they could have missed out some good points there, Ferrari, because this was a weekend where McLaren were nowhere to be seen. So, yeah, both the drivers picked up decent points in the end. But this was a slight missed opportunity, particularly at Leclerc's end.
0: Yeah, I think when you sum up Ferrari's day, it really hinged on this moment. I think if they'd have pitted Leclerc um, when they were originally looking into it around lap 40 or so, he probably would have ended up uh, third behind Verstappen and Bottas. And he was literally on their tail for the entirety of the race. It, It just showed how good he was how good Ferrari was and by extension from what Sainz was doing as well that confirmed their pace for both of their drivers and you imagine if Sainz had had a better you know was able to do a proper qualifying without his engine penalties where he'd have ended up today was quite remarkable so you know you can look on that I mean I don't I don't want to be too critical of Ferrari because it'd be a little bit petty they they gambled and originally when I thought perhaps they could do this It was a lap before Charles had completely messed up his tyres when he locked his brakes into Turn 12. And he did it again a few laps later, which completely ruined the set. But for a while, before that massive drop-up went, I thought this could be absolute genius from Leclerc and Ferrari to stay out, thinking the leaders have pitted. There's no no obligation for me to make the pit stop. I could stay out here and at the very least probably come third and try and go for the win. It was funny because when he was on the radio afterwards, I think when Bottas had called him about... Uh, six or seven laps later Charles was saying if we stay out what's our you know what's the finish position going to be and then the the car on the radio just said if you keep Bottas behind you you win the race (laughs) and I thought well yeah (laughs) I don't think that's what Leclerc was asking but he's not wrong um but then of course we saw that massive drop off and you know we saw that for a few guys as you said Ocon Hamilton obviously had that as well to a degree before he pitted And uh, it's a shame it didn't work out, but I I don't think Ferrari should be too disappointed. I think they would be happy with P4 in the end for Leclerc. Um, You know, a podium would have been nice, but their pace has been pretty good. And, you know, this weekend, hopefully for them, it will go more like that in other races. But um, as you said, Courtney, you mentioned Leclerc's part in that as well. As I said, probably the wrong strategy call in hindsight. and, And Leclerc didn't exactly help either with his mistakes as well. Sometimes it's just one of those where, you can't really be right if you're Ferrari. People have said they're too conservative. If they'd have pitted him earlier, they gave away a chance at a win. Um, or they just gambled and it didn't work out for them. So it is what it is for Ferrari. But I don't think they'll be too disappointed this weekend. But um, on the subject, of course, it does get to Lewis Hamilton at this point. Because Bottas has passed Leclerc. He's retaken the lead. Leclerc's finally pitted to put on the interties, And Hamilton is still staying out. And um, I think it was lap 42, actually, where Lewis said, like the team actually said to Lewis, right, you need to come into pit for new intermediate tyres. And Lewis basically just said, no, I'm staying out. Basically what Lando Norris was doing um, last week at the Russian Grand Prix. And it was about eight laps before Mercedes eventually convinced Lewis to come into the pit. And and Lewis was saying, well, I'm not giving up position. I'm not giving up time here. I'm in a good position at the moment. Um I, I think he was he he was running in P two or no not P two, P three or something like that. And yeah, it was P three. He was ahead of Perez and Leclerc. And uh what was interesting is what came after the race, Courtney, because obviously we saw Lewis made his pit stop. He was complaining on the radio because he was ahead just ahead of Gasly and he'd lost out to Leclerc and Perez and he was moaning about the strategy. But what was interesting is um on the team radio they were talking about the pit stop and that they were protecting him about the weather and the tire drop off and everything else. If Lewis had not made that pit stop and stayed out, do you think he would have been able to hold on to P3? Because I kind of feel like he would have possibly at least dropped behind Perez, maybe Leclerc at the very end. But, you know, what do you, what do you reckon?
1: is the hindsight thing again. And it's, it's this I, old age debate between the driver and the teams, I think we do sometimes forget that the teams do have a lot more information. The teams have a lot more information, but then the drivers have the feel of the car. Most of the time, the information teams offer is more beneficial to the to the actual result. But sometimes, and I think we have seen Lewis do it sometimes, where he just has that unique feel for the car where he's able to judge the situation perfectly. Last year in Turkey, for example, it worked out for him. This time, it didn't. Because I just think what would have happened if he had stayed out, so that drop-off would eventually happened. As I said, you know, with, with Ocon, the, the time that he lost towards the end of that race, he could, Lewis could have potentially found himself, you know, but even put himself in danger of having a puncture and he could have lost all the points altogether. And, you know, given where we are with his championship, yeah, fifth isn't ideal for him, but losing all those points would have been disastrous. So I just think Mercedes played it safe but if anything, I think, you know, they spoke to Toto Wolf after the race and he said, if anything, with hindsight, they should have pitted Lewis earlier because he could have got through that graining phase sooner, would have been slower. Where we saw when he came out, he nearly got overtaken by by Gasly and even Norris. If he really did struggle, he could have been worse. But with hindsight, he should have pitted earlier. He could have given him a chance to catch up with Leclerc and Perez. But, you know, I, I think, I think, all things considered, I think Lewis will look back and go, you know what? It could have been a lot worse.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was understandably frustrated because he obviously felt that he mm. could have made those tyres go to the end. It would have been fun to watch, but I just can't help but feel that he would have feel he would have felt that drop-off massively and he would have suffered to hold on to P3. Definitely not from Perez, but, um, you know, would Leclerc have got him? I'm not sure. He might have been able to sneak P4. It depends on how big the drop-off was because Leclerc went through that phase, with the new tyres, where he was struggling, um, you know, to get the tyres in the right window because they were overheating, he was sliding about, and then, you know, it almost put him into the clutches of Hamilton and Gasly, and then, of course, Leclerc got himself sorted and managed to get on with it and just drive up the road, leaving Lewis behind, and it just felt like, once Lewis was going through that phase as well, he left him into a position where he was in trouble too, but, you know, we'll, we'll never know. I think at the end of the race, I think you're right, Lewis will probably look back on this and feel like, you know what, I probably should have pitted earlier, Total Wolf pointed that out. I agree. I think they should have pitted Lewis earlier. I mean, they did. They tried to, and and Lewis didn't listen. As you said, the driver's the one that makes the calls at the end, as Lando Norris did, and you know it it worked for Lewis in Russia, listening to his team. This time, he went against that, and whether he he lost out or not remains to be seen. But I think Mercedes did a good job convincing him to come in to at least protect that P5, because again, every point's going to count in this championship, and... You know, the last thing Lewis would have wanted would be to end up behind Gasly and Lando Norris, who was right on his towel as well. But um, going back to the front of the field, of course, you know, let's talk a bit about Sergio Perez. Um, I mean, how impressed were you by Sergio Perez today? Because, of course, he went through the field himself, starting, I believe it was, what was it, seventh or something like that. Uh, you know, it's not great qualifying. Worked his way up to P4 on the first lap, stayed with the leaders to a degree. Um, But then, of course, looked after the tyre as well. And towards the end of the race started to make his move where he overtook Leclerc at the end, uh, playing the right strategy, of course, and was right up there with Verstappen and Bottas at the end. So, you know, how would you rate his day coming home in P3? Was this a performance that Perez needed to put together for Red Bull?
1: It was needed. And it was, a you know, the performance was one of his best this season. You know, not only his... Attacking driving, his defensive driving against Lewis as well. His racecraft was spot on today. You know, there's still there still is uh, a performance gap to Max, but let's be honest here: not many drivers are going to be able to keep up with Max, so you can't completely judge him based on that. But his racecraft, again, in in potentially difficult conditions where you don't really have as much uh, room for the nova he did well. He put in a good performance, and Red Bull will be hoping and will need more of that. If Red Bull were to win these constructors, because right now Mercedes do have an edge. So they need more performances like this from um, Sergio Perez. I think Mexico is going to be a very interesting race because Perez could be on a different level for that one. That's going to be an amazing weekend.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm certainly looking forward to seeing how he gets on there. Who knows? He may end up winning that Grand Prix. That would certainly be a sight to see for the Mexican fans. But um, yeah, this was certainly a weekend where Bottas and Perez in particular really needed to step up for their teams to help their league drivers. And they very much did their part um, to a degree. Um, Let's talk about Max Verstappen. Um, There's not really too much to say on his race today because he'll be happy with how it turned out in terms of the result. Of course he would have wanted to win, but there are just some days where you just don't have the package to win the race. And you have to do the best job you can. He's had that a few times in the last couple of races. I don't think it's a trend where Red Bull are worried and that they're now no longer the fastest team. I just think we've gone to a few circuits now that Mercedes have enjoyed a lot more than they have. And um, they've just not been able to be as brilliant as they have been. It's just how it goes sometimes in Formula One. But um, his thoughts on today's race was basically the hardest part of it was staying awake. It certainly wasn't the most exciting one for him. It was quite quiet. He wasn't fast enough to beat Bottas today,
1: but he had a bit of a twenty twenty throwback.
0: A little bit, yeah. Only this time it wasn't ambitious to try and see if he can ruin Mercedes' day. It was more about the bigger picture in the championship. So, you know, despite all of that, Courtney, would you say Max Verstappen will be going home a rather happy man, knowing that the important part is done in that he's retaken the lead of the Drivers' Championship, hopefully going into races that Red Bull should expect to be favourites again?
1: He'll be happy with the with his own personal performance and obviously the fact that he's leading Lewis in a championship. But he did comment saying that he feels that they need more pace to beat Mercedes in the rest of the season. Look, obviously, every single driver wants to have more pace. But I think it's the first time where we've seen Max and Red Bull comment about needing more pace they've always been sort of in in a quiet way confident that they can beat mercedes at most tracks maybe i'm reading too much into this and we will be going into circuits where red bull should be favorites so like i look at particularly i look at brazil and mexico for example i expect red bull to win those two races convincingly but for the rest of the races it's going to be very interesting to see where red bull are compared to mercedes because I think Red Bull picked up on the fact that Mercedes seemed to be a bit more consistent pace-wise. So I think they're getting a little bit nervous because they, they can they can see the end in sight. They they might feel, that, you know, it's possible for them to win this. I think they're getting a little bit nervous about the, imp- the improvement from Mercedes. And Max, I think that's the first time I've heard Max comment about that. And it's interesting. It was, it was interesting for me anyway.
0: Yeah, he's usually been quite relaxed about this championship. He's not really been worrying about it too much. I mean, he did say... Um... I think it was the Russian Grand Prix press conference when Lewis was saying, oh, I don't know if Max is thinking about it too much or he's having sleepless nights. And then Max kind of took it the wrong way saying, well, he obviously doesn't know me because I'm thinking about it all the time. that That's the press for you. You know, they can only give you so much context for what's being said. But um, it, it does feel like Max Verstappen has got this on his mind a lot more now. Now that he can see the end in sight and then he's got the lead again, And he knows Mercedes are certainly making improvements. I mean, I I don't know if it's Mercedes adding stuff to their car that we're not aware of. I'd be surprised if it was that. It could well be that Mercedes are just finding more out about their car and able to extract more out of it. It's very much a learning curve with them, as it often is with Mercedes in this turbo hybrid era. They always seem to find more pace out of their car every race that we go to, Um, whereas other teams are just better at unlocking their performance from the get-go. That's just how it goes sometimes. So it's certainly not over by any stretch, but... Yeah, a day like today, I think, for Max Verstappen, whilst, you know, he's not won in a few races now, so obviously he won, you know, since Zandvoort. So he's obviously going to want a bit more pace in the car. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. I don't think he should be worried too much just yet. I think he's gone to quite a few races now where I think we expected this to be the opportunity for Hamilton to build up a bit of a lead in the championship. The fact that not only has he not done that, but Max is actually leading the championship himself should give him a lot more confidence in that. He's got the advantage. He's not the one that has to do the chase, and he's the one that can control the race to his tempo and his pace. And we're going to go to a few circuits now where we're expecting Red Bull to be a lot stronger. So um, it's Austin's all Austin's
1: going to be vital, I feel. It will. I think Austin. that's going to be
0: closer than I think a lot of people think. I know we said Red Bull could do well there, but Mercedes and Hamilton historically have been incredibly strong mm. at Austin. I don't expect it to be a race at Red Bull dominate. Um but... You know, this is Austin a wrong, is you know. a
1: fairly similar track to Turkey, when you think about it. So I do mm. feel that if Mercedes were strong at Turkey, I expect them to be fairly strong at Austin as well.
0: It's a nice blend of high and mid-speed corners, and then you've also got a few slower sections as well, which should um, you know, kinder to the attributes of both cars in certain degrees. It just depends on how they set these cars up. I mean, we went to Turkey this weekend, which is still relatively unknown if you think about it with the new surface and everything else. I mean, the teams would have tried to guess what the ultimate setup would have been. And I think in a way, Red Bull probably got it wrong compared to Mercedes this weekend. I think the approach that they took didn't really work out for them in the way that it has done in other circuits. That That's how it's been. So it could be one of those where Red Bull just need to go back and think, well, you know what? Mercedes did a better job than we did, but we got the points for our drivers Mercedes got more points in the constructors and they widened that gap. But I, as I said before, I think Red Bull's primary focus is to make sure Max wins the driver's championship. And then if they win the constructors, that's a happy bonus. And the team can celebrate that. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll digress and move on with that one. I mean, you know, in, in terms of Lewis Hamilton's mindset on how he can assess how things have gone, would you say he'd be happy? With uh, the, the races since Zandvoort where Mercedes were expected to be stronger, do you think he'd be happy being in the position he's in or do you feel like there's been too many missed opportunities from his part and Mercedes' part as well?
1: I think at this stage, I think it's important for the team to only look forward. But yeah, if Max goes on to win his championship, I'm not going to take anything away from Max and Red Bull because they have been great. both Both driver and team have had a fantastic season. But from a Lewis and Mercedes perspective, if Max does go on to win this, they are going to look back at moments you know, throughout the season. Like Even if you have a look at like Imola, for example, Imola could have been different for him. Baku, Baku was a big one. I think some people forget about Baku where Lewis was leading at the start of the restart at the very end, locked up massively and ended up at the back. That's a lot of points lost there. Because that was when Max um, had a tyre blowout, wasn't it? So that was a big opportunity. Mm. That would have been a 25-point swing. You know, so again, that goes forgotten. So he will look back on that. in Italy as well, that if that pit stop wasn't as uh, as slow for Mercedes, he could have been ahead of Max and gained points on Max there. So I think right now, yes, look forward. But if Max wins, there's going to be a lot of regret with Lewis.
0: Yeah, he's certainly in this fight. And, you know, you could argue that, you know, he's fortunate in some ways to be in it. But... You know, this is Lewis Hamilton we're talking about here. I mean, he's always in there. He's always got a chance. But it does seem this season that both drivers are now starting to feel the pressure. Um, Max has been rather cool and calm and that. But he probably expected going into the summer break that he was going to be a lot further ahead than he is. Lewis has really been fighting hard to stay in this championship. And now that he's still there at this point of the season, with the deficit perhaps in performance he's had available to him compared to Max, it it does feel like he's starting to realise or feel the pressure that he knows that he can't afford to make too many errors because his rival is punishing him with that, the same way that Max will feel that way with Lewis. So it'd be interesting to see how it goes down, but you could tell by the end of the t- today that neither driver was overly satisfied, but one in particular certainly had more to regret Um, how this race went down compared to the other I mean Toto kind of put it nicely he was saying after Russia Red Bull dropped seven points to uh, Max dropped seven points to Lewis today Lewis dropped what was it eight points to Max so there's not too much of a a difference in that regard which is one way to look at it Um, so we'll have to wait and see how things go at the moment but it does seem really close to call I have no idea who's gonna I mean I think Max will win but At this point, it's just so hard to tell from circuit to circuit. Um, Let's move on to a few other drivers. We haven't really talked about too much in this episode so far. Um, Big shout out to Carlos Sainz today. Driver of the day, day, absolutely fantastic. P19 to P8, and he'd had plenty of overtakes to make. I mean, it felt like when I was watching him in the early parts of the race, like every single lap, he was making another overtake, another overtake, another overtake. It was like DJ Carla just going, another one, another one, another one. It was like the Carlos Sainz show. (laughs) And um which is a shame because the you know the alcohol sponsor that he does have obviously prohibits F1 from wanting to give him as much TV coverage as we would probably like them to because of the sponsorship they have with a rivaling alcoholic beverage. Um and, you know, as a result, but we did we did see plenty of the overtakes uh from Carlos Sainz, and particularly at turn twelve. Um, you know, it was making so many overtakes, it's just running through the list. One in particular was um On Sebastian Vettel where he clipped the curb a little bit on the inside as he was making that overtake stick and then did drive into Vettel a little bit.
1: It looked clumsy didn't it?
0: It did look a bit clumsy and I thought when I saw that all the stewards might give him a little five second penalty for that because whilst he was going to complete that move he did drive into the other driver um, as a result of that mistake and you know it's not Vettel's fault there's nothing you can do but Sometimes, you know, those sorts of collisions happen. It kind of depends on who's doing the stewarding on the day, really, whether you're going to get a penalty. But he got away with that one, which probably was, you know, fair enough. It wasn't one that affected Vettel's race too much. It just annoyed him, the fact that you end up getting hit by someone. Um, But that happens sometimes. But otherwise... Brilliant performance from Carlos Sainz today from P19 to P8. The new Ferrari upgraded engine, which looked like it was working very handedly indeed. Um, how would you sum up Carlos Sainz's day and, and how happy do you think Ferrari would have been with him today?
1: Yeah, I think it was right to get a um, driver of the day. And I think Ferrari would be encouraged by the performance that this new engine upgrade has given him. Leclerc's, you know, in and around the level where he should be at, where he's challenging for podiums at least. And, you know, if it wasn't for Carlos Sainz starting at the back, he'll have been right in the mix as well. Let's not forget that. So, you know, we we think about where Lewis could have been. You've got to remember, Carlos Sainz started at the back. So I think Ferrari would be very encouraged. I think McLaren might be a little bit fearful about the rest of the season. Again, it could be track-specific. We'll find that in a couple of races' time if that's the case. But, yeah, I think Ferrari should be happy, particularly with... The performance um, improvement that this engine upgrade has given them.
0: Yeah, I mean uh, to sort of clarify what they've actually improved is some, on, on the electronics and the batteries, uh, you know, something along those. I can't remember what the exact details are, but what I do know is it gives them an extra four hundred kilowatts of power to do, to use, which is similar to what Mercedes and Red Bull have with their engines respectively. So they're on that level with them now, and they've had those for the start of the season. So Ferrari finally caught up in that regards. They're still, from what I hear they're still around 30 horsepower down which is something that they'll be looking to address over the winter break with their new overhauled engine for next season the supercharged project that they like to call it or the super fast one whatever something like that um and and Matty Bonotto is heavily involved in making sure this goes through and incidentally he wasn't at the race this weekend very much involved in the new car and the new engine project to making sure that goes swimmingly so in a way I know people say oh you know, what does it tell if Batti Bonotto, the team principal of Ferrari, is not involved at the races? I'm like, well, Lauren Meeks, who was on the Sky F1 broadcast a lot this weekend, which was quite refreshing. I don't remember seeing a Ferrari, um, anyone a Ferrari involved on the broadcast uh, in that capacity that we've seen other teams are. So that was quite nice to see. But um, Lauren Meeks has been more than capable of managing the race-to-race operations. If anything, he's probably better at it than Mattia. And Mattia is better where he is at the moment, working at the factory, you know, and that was the job he had for so many years. And he was the engine guru at Ferrari for such a long time in this turbo hybrid era. So he's very much in a capacity where I think he's been able to perform and oversee that project. And it's going to be critical Ferrari. If they're going to be anywhere next season, they have to get that right. So I don't look at that as a bad thing. I think that's exactly what you need. You need your people involved in the right areas and Ferrari is still doing well on the track. And, and today was a good day for them. McLaren struggled. Ricardo didn't get any points. He had, you know, very nearly got points. Ended up P11 in the, uh, not P11, P13, I should say. Uh, A mistake at the end cost him a few places. But um, Norris had a difficult day as well. You know, P7 for him, probably the best job that he could have done. Um, it, It just wasn't a track for McLaren. So the overall picture seems a bit rosier for Ferrari going into the final races of the season where perhaps we're expecting a bit more of the same for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm hoping we get a good battle between both of the teams. You know, because remember, McLaren were riding a real high for this weekend. So I think they'll have felt humbled by the performance this weekend. They'll be hoping to bounce back in Austin. Time will tell. But I just feel that this um, this upgrade, this engine upgrade, is going to make it a lot closer between the two teams. Um, just like sort to of go back quickly to what you're saying about next season with Ferrari. Next season is vital. For Ferrari, a team like Ferrari should be at least challenging for championships every season. They're the biggest teams, the most prestigious team in Formula One, with obviously the most, with the biggest and most passionate fan base. So they should be challenging for championships every single season. They haven't won a cha- They haven't won a championship since 2008. They won the constructors in 2008. 13 years without a championship for a team like Ferrari. It isn't acceptable. Ferrari know it isn't acceptable. Next season is a big revamp. It's a massive opportunity. I do expect them to deliver, but if they don't and they find themselves behind for another few years, that's disastrous for a team of Ferrari's size. So I understand the, um, the the energy and time that they're putting their best bodies into making next year work because yes, I expect it to work, but it's, it's vital that next year is a successful Ferrari.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. I couldn't have put it by myself. And, you know, this weekend for me, I was quite impressed with Ferrari from a tactical perspective, not necessarily in the race so much um, with Leclerc, but um, in qualifying, what they did really impressed me. I was talking about this on the uh, F1 Grid Talk podcast with F1 Chronicle yesterday, and you know, I-, I mentioned that Ferrari tactically was superb in that Carlos Sainz wasn't really going to do much running other than an installation lap, and they brought him out in Q1 specifically to knock out Carlos, uh, knock out Daniel Ricciardo out of Q1 which they managed to do Carlos Sainz managed to get him out of Q1 and peg him back and pretty much ruined his race weekend to a degree and then they also brought Sainz out to give Leclerc a nice toe to get him through into Q2 not that Leclerc needed it but it was an extra insurance and it's things like that that you don't normally see Ferrari do Mm. not not for many years I mean this is a sort of Ferrari shrewd not shrewd in the bad way but shrewd in like this really clever uh, tactics they would usually pull out in the early 2000s where they were dominant. You didn't see it very, very often in latter years because they've tripped over themselves. But it was nice to see that they did that and it worked out. And it is encouraging in this fight with McLaren in the championship. If if today is anything to go by, it's been a very good day for Ferrari after what has been an incredible period for McLaren where Ferrari have just had to take the pain that McLaren have inflicted on them. And now they've been able to throw a few punches of their own, pardoning the pun of uh, a few other sporting events this weekend. But um. As far as McLaren goes, Courtney, you know, it it wasn't an easy day for them today. P7 for Norris, Ricardo P13, nearly on the fringes of the points, but he's really struggled to, you know, fight through the field in the way that Carlos Sainz did ahead of him. Um, Are you surprised that McLaren struggled this weekend? Because this was a track that Mercedes were very strong. Aston Martin did have some notable improvements as well. So another Mercedes-powered car, you'd have thought perhaps McLaren would have been strong here as well. But for some reason, they were... Not only lacking behind from Ferrari, but potentially Pierre Gasly and the Alfatari as well.
1: Yeah, it's, they're going to be hoping it was a one off. As I've already stated earlier on, they've had two or three great races and all of a sudden they've seen a big performance drop. So they'll be hoping it is track specific. You know, I was expecting them to be strong given that the conditions were wet because in, in dry conditions, they were nowhere. And I did, I expected them to come further up that. It wasn't, it wasn't to be. It just shows how far behind they were this weekend. Austin's going to be, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about Lewis and Max, but I think Austin's going to be very interesting in this battle between Ferrari and McLaren as well because if Ferrari's still the charge in Austin, it's going to start looking slightly ominous for McLaren.
0: Mm. And you almost feel that that power advantage that McLaren still have over Ferrari if they've got the same engine, inferior a bit more horsepower than them, that is going to be critical for them. But the fact that Ferrari have been able to find some gains not only in terms of the uh, the power of the electrical energy, but also the deployment, the harvestation, the efficiency, all of that does add up. And that will help Ferrari um, in an area that they've struggled with in that straight line speed in this battle. So it's certainly going to be an interesting fight between these two. It always seems as soon as one team has the edge, the other one finds a way to claw them back. Um, and and both teams, I'm sure they will consider it a success if they finish third and the other will consider where it all went wrong for them if they finished P4. It was very, very harsh, but th- that's the nature of these two teams. One of them has to win, and the other one will be kicking themselves, whichever one doesn't manage to do it, for different reasons. Um, in terms of Lando Norris, I-, I don't think we can say too much on his day today. It was rather quiet. He didn't get too much coverage on the broadcast. We saw him battling Hamilton briefly, but, you know, giving that up, knowing that he was not fighting Hamilton today until the very, very end. Um, do you think there was much more he could have done today and... Perhaps he w- would he have appreciated a nice quiet day compared to all the attention he would have got following uh, the fallout from the Russian race.
1: Yeah, but I'm sure he referred to have been higher up. I, I always say that drivers should always look at how they perform given the package that they had. McLaren didn't have the package today, and I think um, I think Lando got the maximum that he could from it. So I think he'd be satisfied deep down. But obviously, look, drivers want to be there to compete for wins, not scraping for any points they can get. So I'm sure Lando will be leaving with mixed emotions for sure.
0: Mm. Let's talk about Pierre Gasly. Overall, yeah. P6, you know, and he loves a P6 Pierre Gasly, especially in qualifying, um, but he qualified brilliantly as well. Qualified in P5 very nearly, um, you know, when he started in P4, of course, because of Hamilton's penalty. But um, overall, I think, you know, despite being harshly judged for that five-second penalty, he probably may have finished behind Hamilton in the race anyway, even if he didn't have it. But I'd say that's a, that's another solid performance from Pierre Gasly in a car that, you know, you, you don't expect that to be there. But time and time again, Pierre Gasly finds himself in the upper echelons of the F1 hierarchy in a car that just doesn't really belong there. All due respect to AlphaTauri, are we getting a point to a point now with Pierre Gasly, Courtney? That some of the big teams really do have to take notice of him and keep an eye on him because he could become available in 2023. And could prove to be a huge asset to one of the other big teams to the detriment of Red Bull if they don't decide to bring him back in.
1: Yeah, Pierre Gasly's kind of been. uh, I kind of put Pierre Gasly in that B category driver. You know, like an an A category driver is a Lewis, a Max, Leclerc, Lando Norris, and George Russell. I feel will all be A level drivers. I think Pierre Gasly's the, the level down. I think Pierre Gasly's would be a good number two driver for a big team or lead a midfield team like Aston Martin, for example, that has aspirations to be race winners going forward. That's Pierre Gasly's level. He's certainly higher level than what AlphaTauri are because they're always going to be a customer team for Red Bull. So they can only do so much there. But again, we're talking about what drivers can do with a package. He's been exceptional, but he's been exceptional pretty much all season. Apart from a couple of incidents he's been caught up with, he's done so well with that package and he does deserve to be in that position that I just raised. And hopefully a lot opportunity will come in 2023.
0: Mm. I certainly hope so. Cause there's a lot of talent there and I just feel like it needs to be in the right equipment mm. to kind of exploit that better, but we'll have to wait and see. He certainly is, uh, certainly impressing a lot of people week in, week out, Pierre Gasly. Um, the less that can be said for Yuki Tsunoda, who until he'd had his spin, um, earlier in the race, he was driving a very, very solid race as well. Um, I mean, it's such, a, it's such a disappointment. It really is because he did a great job in qualifying, qualified in the top 10 in Q3. You know, Alpha Tower. you don't expect to be in Q3 in every race. So this is still a big achievement for him to do that. And um, in the race itself, he was doing rather well. You mentioned, of course, he was keeping Lewis behind him, did a better job defending against Lewis than most people did today. Um, And he ruined it for himself whilst being in the points comfortably. He had that spin earlier in the race and completely ruined his race to the point where I'm trying to think where he finished in the end. He was P14. Um, So uh, it, it's getting so hard to keep defending Yuki Tsunoda. And I love the kids a bit. I think he's a very good talent, but it's days like these where he really needs to put those performances together, put the you know, you can't just have a good qualifying, have a good first part of the race and then, it all just goes to pot and expect to come out of it. Someone patting your back saying, well done. Um, I mean, do you feel that the pressure is already starting to mount on Yuki Tsunoda to try and improve soon? Or do you feel like he will have the room to try and concentrate on what he's doing right now and then perhaps worry about that next season when performances will have to come in if he's going to stay in the team?
1: It will be next season. 100%. Um... Obviously, we've got so many unknowns when it comes to performances of the teams or the pecking order. So he's going to have different pressures depending on where the team are next season. But he will have to deliver next season. There's there's too much talent in the junior categories going wasted. So that AlphaTauri seat will be one of the seats that will be definitely be desired from, the, you know, the agents and the families of those young drivers. So, yeah, he you'll have to up his game next season or he will probably find himself losing the seat.
0: Yeah, that is the worry for a lot of people involved. Um, Lance Stroll, P9 in the end. Pretty good day for him. Um, you know, he, he this was a track that he did very, very well last season. He got it on pole position in conditions quite similar to this for Racing Point. Led the race for half of it and then had that early pit stop and it completely ruined his race. He got caught out by that changing strategy that we saw today which obviously everyone was a lot wiser to but um you know he did a great job he qualified p9 of course starting p8 because of lewis's penalty um had a bit of a wobble in the middle of the race where he was a bit off the order but he managed to find his way back in after that earlier pit stop and ended up p9 in the end so uh a rather good weekend for lance stroll wouldn't you say
1: it'd be satisfied um aston martin probably didn't expect they probably don't expect too much going into most weekends, but I think that's the level where they're sort of satisfied. You know, if if they finish anywhere above that, they'll be happy, but they're satisfied to finish sort of eight nights, given where they are right now. So Stroll has delivered. Um, I still think he needs to be more consistent, but he delivered today. So I'm sure he'd be happy about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's the sort of performance that, you know, I've said that Lance Stroll is capable of on a regular basis. And, you know, like Esteban Ocon, who we'll get into in a moment, has put together some good performances as well. But they need to be happening on a regular basis. If you're going to be taken seriously as one of the leading protagonists in Formula One, you have to put those performances together on a more regular basis when they do. The fact that they can pull it off kind of goes to their detriment sometimes. Because I feel like the team's like, well, you can do it. Just why aren't you doing it more often? You know, you have your, everyone has their highs and lows. And the same could be said for Seb Vettel in that regard in, in the same team. You know, Seba's had some great highs this season, getting two podiums. One of them he was allowed to keep, of course. But then he's had some very, very low points, and uh, it was a difficult day to day for him. Whilst it was going well to a point, but he had his say in that strategy call, and it went completely wrong for him. So, and it cost him any chance of any points, really. So, really strange one. But um it brings us nicely to Esteban Ocon, who, as we pointed out earlier, Courtney, the only driver to actually make the no-stop work for him. Um, I can't remember the last time I've ever seen a race where a driver's not actually stopped and got, I think, technically speaking, I think Lewis Hamilton was the last driver to win a Grand Prix without stopping, and I think that was a red flag in Brazil, I can't remember what year it was, I think it was a while ago, but... I remember someone pulling that out um, earlier saying Lewis had won a race. Oh, 2016. Ah, uh, yes, it was. Yeah. Yes. Very, very good. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. Um, so, no, brilliant job from Esteban Ocon. As you said, Courtney, he was dropping rapidly in terms of his lap times, but he just about managed to hold on. I think he was about seven tenths of a second ahead of Giovinazzi as he crossed the line. And he was a lap down as well, which done him a favour. Um, if he was on the lead lap, there's no doubt the Alfa Romeo would have got him. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, overall, I'd say a very good day for Esteban Ocon, right when Alonso obviously had those issues and dropped those points. Um, It's not many points for Alpine, but in the grand scheme of things, I think he'll be very happy with his performance today.
1: Again, that's where you sort of expect Ocon and Alpine, that combination to be, really. So he'll be fairly satisfied with the result. Um, But I think that's actually the most interesting thing we can take from this race, seeing how the different strategies worked out because this was a very strategy dependent race and to see that one of them did try to do the entire race on the uh you know the slicks and he managed to get some kind of result out of it it's, it's it's nice to see when you see some drivers benefit from a strategy that others didn't that that's just a nerd in me but it is what it is
0: i mean it's got youtube gaming content written all over it, that kind of strategy i've a amount of times i've seen videos on uh, F1 YouTuber channels on the F1 game where they do the drive till the ties explode or the no stop challenge, you know, of course, you know, in the rules, if it's permitted, um, and they end up finding themselves trying to wreck the ties and they end up lasting the whole race, but they're really, really bad and they're sliding all over the place by the end. Um, and I imagine Ocon probably felt like that as well today, but no, it was, it was fun to see and, you know, fair play to him. He made it work. It just shows that it, it could have worked today under the right circumstances and perhaps for Charles Leclerc and Lewis Hamilton perhaps if they had the mindset at the start of the race to go with the no stop strategy they might have looked after their tyres a bit better earlier on which might have given them a better chance to pull it off later on we'll never know but it was fun to think about at the time I mean who knows what they could have done if they pulled it off We'll, we'll never know um looking down the order I'm seeing the two Alfa Romeos in 11th and 12th again it's been a while since they've been in those positions to be fair but um The whole weekend, and I can tell already, Courtney, your reaction, you're like sort of half-sleeping. You're just like, you know, can't be bothered with them. They have been a bit of a disappointment this season. Um, It seems more of the interest with them is around who's going to be driving for them next season. What are they going to be called next season? Will it be Alfa Romeo? Will it be Andretti? We don't know. They Um, need a
1: change. They need a change badly. Yeah, I'm just thinking that,
0: you know, looking at their performance today, Qualifying's really done them in. You know, they were terrible in qualifying, they were lacking, and, and it's really frustrating, I think, because in practice, they run less fuel than everyone else, they turn their engines up high, and they kind of give people false hope every single time that they've got pace. And then when it comes to what it matters, they're absolutely nowhere. I mean, why on earth would you do that? Why would you give people false hope, thinking that you're going to convince them that your Friday practice times that look rather good, we know aren't representative, and then you end up being so far behind on the Saturday, which ruins your race on Sunday. I mean, what is that all
1: about? Alfa Romeo are the Burnley of Formula One. <laughs> That's what they are. They oh, just they just, wow. they, 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 they just, they just, turn up, make up the numbers, and then get a result when they need to, and then disappear again. I'm going to start calling Alfa Romeo Burnley of Formula One. There you go. Well, I mean, say about they're right
0: adopting there. almost similar colours. That red is a bit more of a shade of burgundy, yeah. so it, it kind of works. <laughs> or Claret, whatever you prefer to call it. But uh, yeah, it's a strange one. I mean, 11th and 12th today for Giovinazzi and Raikkonen. There wasn't too much to say on their races. They look pretty solid today. But a better qualifying position, they might have found themselves in the points. There were seven temps off of uh, Ocon in the points. So that's just how it goes sometimes in Formula 1. You just got to be better in qualifying and get a better position. Um, speaking of which, of course, Williams... Um, they had a more normal day that we've expected them from this season um, rather than the dizzying heights that they've had the last month or so. In qualifying, of course, Latifi was 17th, finished 17th. Wasn't much to say on him. He had a spin earlier on in the race. Um, so But he managed to recover up to P17 in the end ahead of Vettel and the two Husses. And then George Russell, who had a nice battle for the remainder of the race with Fernando Alonso, something he probably didn't expect to have today. Um, but... It just seemed that that was the most that they could do in this race. I mean, for George Russell, do you think there might have been a chance of points for him if he managed to get into Q3 yesterday? Because he was so close to getting into Q3, and if it wasn't for that mistake, he would have made it. And ultimately, that could have helped him in the race. Do you think that was on today, or do you feel that Williams just went to a track that they just weren't going to be strong at?
1: Possibly. Again, we'll never know. Um, but I, I just feel that this wasn't George Russell's best weekend. Certainly wasn't his worst. But he just seemed to be a little bit scruffy on a Saturday. And, you know, the Saturdays have always been where George has really, you know, shown the best of himself and has really set up the weekend nicely for Williams to get these results that they've got. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't to be this weekend. You know, even even the best drivers aren't at every single race. So, I'm not going to give George too much stick for that. So, And also, I think Williams are probably so happy with the results that they've got that they can actually just enjoy the rest of the season now.
0: Yeah, it's almost party time for them. They're too far behind realistically mm. to catch Aston Martin in seventh and they're a long way ahead of Alfa Romeo at the moment. And they didn't even score points themselves. So, you know, you can go on about the P11s all you want, but you don't get points for p 11 So, you know, Williams will be happy with that. Um, Let's round this off with the star ratings. Obviously, this is the part of the show, guys, where we look back on the performance for the entire weekend, i.e. qualifying and the race. And we give the drivers a star rating out of five, well, determined by how well we thought they did. So let's start at the front. Let's look at the two Mercedes, Hamilton and Bottas, of course, qualifying first and second, respectively. Valtteri Bottas getting the win starting from pole position as a result of Hamilton's penalty and Hamilton getting to P5 in the end. So, Courtney, what are you going to rate Hamilton and Bottas?
1: So I'm going to give them both four and a half. Um, I'm going to give, I would have given Valtteri five if he'd got pole. Let's remember that he inherited the pole position. So I will have given him five for the pole, but he didn't get that. Flawless in a race, though. Fantastic race for him. I'm going to give Lewis four and a half because I'm, I'm being picky. Just that, that phase of the race where he was behind Tsunoda could have cost him a little bit. I think I think it's been underestimated that time that he lost at the beginning of the race. Apart from that great weekend, I think it's been one of his better performances this season. Very encouraging for him moving into the rest of the season. If it wasn't for, the, for the Tsunoda, thing, I think have giving him five. I think Mercedes, Jen, both the drivers were edging on five-star performances this weekend.
0: Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Um, I'm going to give Val, Valtry a five. And I say that because even though he didn't get pole position outright, he only needed to get P2. He just needed to beat everybody else. And, um, you know, on his qualifying lap, he was actually pretty quick and he did slow down a lot in the final sector. So I'm wondering if Mercedes said to him on the radio, you know, Max has failed to beat you and Lewis. You can slow down to avoid so to protect Lewis so he could start 11th. Um, again, I'm not saying that's what happened, I'm just wondering if perhaps Mercedes did sound his ear like, you know, slow down a bit, because Valtteri was on a good lap, so, um, and he wasn't far off Lewis, what was it, like a tenth? Something like that, I'm just looking at the times, uh, yeah, it was just over a tenth of a second, so literally nothing, um, but he won the race, controlled the race from start to finish, had to make an overtake uh, on Leclerc, which wasn't too difficult for him in the end, Leclerc didn't fight it too much, so I'm going to give him a five star, I think he deserved it, I think he's been fantastic, and on well Porridge Day, how am I not going to give Valtteri a five star? the guy's been having his oats so simple and uh yeah made the race look just as simple today hamilton four stars um pole position very very impressive from lewis hamilton damage limitation did a good job to get up to p5 um but there's two reasons why i'm not going to give him higher than four star first of which i think the strategy call that he made to ignore his team and stay out eight laps longer and then not see that through rather than stay you know and rather than pit which he did ultimately cost him potentially p4 maybe even p3 even though he probably disagrees at the time with Mercedes I think he'll look back and realize maybe I could have got more out of it and the second reason is um well you know and obviously having trouble passing Perez I think that was a key moment in the race as well not getting that done cost him as well but the second reason and I'm wondering if Mercedes will look back on this with the same thought process is that they took a 10 place grid penalty because they replaced the ICE and I don't know if they're going to have to replace other parts of the engine, if it's just that part or if there's going to be other parts as well that he may have to take subsequent penalties for. But I'll be honest with you, Courtney, judging by how quick Hamilton was today, he probably could have finished P5 starting from the back of the grid. If we're taking the Carlos Sainz factor as the barometer and he finished P8, and if it wasn't for his slow stop, which went his fault, he could have got ahead of Norris as well. You never know. Um, you'd think that Hamilton might have had the pace to finish in fifth anyway. So I know this is a bit of a picky one, but I am going to give Lewis four stars because I think today it could have been more for him, but you know, wasn't too bad for him today. Um, moving on, let's go to the Red Bulls for Stappen and Perez, please. They,
1: are, I'm gonna, sure. yeah, sorry, yeah, I am going to give them four and a half as well. I think, I think Max got the best out of the car, and I think it was one of the better performances from Sergio Perez. And I think the only reason, again, I am not going to give him a five star is because of um, the, the qualifying. He still needs to improve his qualifying performances.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with both of those. I think Max did the best that he could. Four and a half stars. Um, the only thing stopping him is actually winning the race itself. Uh, and Perez four and a half stars, because even though I think Perez did the best job he possibly could in the race in terms of getting up to P3 behind his teammate, um, you're right, Courtney, if he'd have qualified better, probably wouldn't have made a difference in terms of where they would have wanted him to finish, respective to Hamilton. But um yeah, the qualifying needs to be better. And, you know, he he got fortunate, I suppose, because of Gasly and Alonso. It did get those two out of the way. And Leclerc's poor strategy call with Ferrari did get rid of him for P3. So it's still a good job from Perez. But, yeah, four and a half for him. Um, let's go to Ferrari. Charles Leclerc starting P... Well, it was qualifying P4, started P3, of course, ended up in P4. And Carlos Sainz starting P19 of course, because of Ricardo having to take subsequent engine penalties as a result of his poor qualifying, and of course, finishing in P8 and getting driver of the day. So what would you give those two?
1: I'm going to give Charles Leclerc four and a half, um, mainly because of the the strategy call. It cost him slightly similar to Lewis. I'm going to give Carlos Sainz, our driver of the day, five stars. What a great performance from him today.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny with Carlos Sainz because of what he did in qualifying as well, um, helping Leclerc and also knocking Ricardo out of Q one. I'd love to give him more than five stars. I think it was a fantastic performance from him. I really do. This weekend, arguably one of the best individual performances this season. So I'm going to agree with you on both fronts for the exact same reasons. Four and a half for Leclerc and five for Sainz. Um, McLaren now. Let's do Norris and Ricardo. Lando Norris, of course, qualifying in just looking at the order in P eight finishing P7, and Ricardo, of course, qualified P16 but ended up starting at the back of the grid and finishing in P13.
1: I'm going to give Norris four. I think, we obviously, McLaren were struggling a bit, but we didn't see anything particularly special from Lando today. I'm going to give him four, and Daniel I'm going to give three. I'm hoping this is a one-off, but he really did struggle with his car. Obviously, going out in Q1 isn't good for a team with McLaren's General performance he isn't good enough. He knows that too. Hopefully, he is back, but free for Daniel.
0: Yeah, Lando. I'm going to give him four stars. Not going to go into it too much. I think he did the best he could, but was lacking a little bit behind uh, Gasly and the Ferraris, and uh, as you know, as we thought they might do. Ricardo. I'm going to give him a two stars. Um, I, I know this really harsh, but wasn't good in qualifying. Shouldn't have even been in that position for signs mm. to knock it, bump him out of Q one. Uh, and despite stunning at the back, he struggled to fight his way through the field in the way that Signs managed to do so by comparison. And he had the car to do it, so it just didn't happen for him. And if it wasn't for that mistake he made towards the end of the race, he probably would have ended up in the points ahead of Ocon instead of in P13. That really cost him the opportunity, given how close the Alphas were to Ocon. Ricardo would have definitely have gotten Ocon before the end of the race. So, um, yeah, two stars for him, unfortunately. Um, Alpha Tauri now, Gasly and Sonoda. Gasly, of course, starting in P4, qualifying P5, of course, and uh, ended up finishing in fifth place. And Sonoda, of course, qualifying in P10, starting P9, but ending up all the way down in, uh, what was it, P14 today? Yeah, P14.
1: Going to give Pierre Gasly four and a half. And just this, this, this a scruffy start, which wasn't really entirely his fault you know, cost him a bit. So I'm going to give him four and a half. I think the qualifying performance was amazing and he's still perform- outperforming that car. So I'm going to give him four and a half. so um, know that I'm going to be kind to and I'm going to give him three stars. Because I think, generally speaking, the performances he has been putting in, the qualifying performance was better and he did have a decent start, but it just all went wrong for him at the end. So for his general level, I'm going to give him a three.
0: Um, I'm probably not going to be as kind as Sonoda, but I'm going to be nice and easy with Gasly and say four and a half stars. Exact same reason as you. Um, Sonoda two and a half stars for me because qualifying was very very good, and you know, right, two and a half is a bit harsh for that. But in the race, he was good at the start, but that big spin he had it cost him big time. He could have ended up in P8 today. Uh, possibly, and he, it just ruined it for himself with that spin. And it's really disappointing because he needs the points and needs the results. So I'm going to give him two and a half stars, I'm afraid. He just, for whatever reason, Sonoda just can't seem to put together the perfect weekend at all. And his teammate is doing it on a regular basis. And if you want to survive in Formula 1, no matter how talented you are, and this kid is very talented, I genuinely believe that with time and experience, this kid could be something special but right now, he's not doing himself any favours to be afforded the time to do it. And other Red Bull drivers in that academy have been able to do more with less and still got on the chop. So, you know, with all the respect in the world to that I really hope he turns it around. But he's not doing himself favours. It's more disappointing, this kind of performance, than if he'd had a tough qualifying and just didn't get it in the race. He just struggled. Because he's got everyone's hopes up, to thinking yes, he's finally going to do well, he's going to do great, and then it just goes by one silly mistake that he made in the race, and it and it's cost him some good points today. And I think Tauri probably feeling that pain as well, as much as they'd be celebrating Gasly's success, which they come to expect. Um, moving on to the next one, da, 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 Alpine. Let's do them. Uh, Fernando Alonso, of course, qualifying in what was it? P was it P seven? He qualified in.
1: He's he qualified well. He's, yeah. he's best qualified sorry, since 2014. It wasn't P7.
0: It was uh, P6 he qualified He so Started in P5. Um, ended up finishing all the way down in P16 because he got that penalty for hitting Mick Schumacher. And then Esteban Ocon starting in P12. Of course, it was P11. He ended up starting in... at. Oh, no, sorry, it wasn't, no, because he would have been behind Hamilton. Sorry, excuse me. Um, so yeah, P12 and ended up in P10 doing the no-stop.
1: I'm going to give both drivers free. So, Fernando Alonso was the hero of Saturday, had a bad Sunday. Then Ocon had an average Saturday and did really well with that strategy at the end. So, I'm going to give them both three.
0: Three stars for Ocon. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. Um, Alonso, I'll agree with you. Three stars because I think his race capitulated by his own doing. Um, his qualifying was incredible, and I think he definitely could have put himself in the shout of a really good result today in the race. But he ruined it by punting Mick Schumacher, which of course he did apologize to Mick for after the race. It should be said, um, Ocon though. I mean, qualifying it's tough in that midfield. You can either get a P12 like Ocon did, or a P6 like, or P5 like what Gasly did. That Alpine seems to be change uh, how it seems to change in its pace and performance. At every session, sometimes it's quick, sometimes it's not. You know, you got to find that balance. I'm going to give Ocon four, um, because qualifying was okay. I should know four and a half. I'm giving him four and a half because no, I'm I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm in mean, the Ocon love. I I am because look, I mean, yeah, 12 wasn't the best qualifying. He could have got into Q3, but again, it's such a it's so tight that battle for it literally is because George Russell makes a mistake. And he ends up sending him out of qualifying in like P13-14. And he ends up, he could have been in the top 10. You know, with that lap, he would have been in eight fastest or something like that. Um, So it just shows how tight it is in that midfield. One mistake and it can cost you. And I think for Ocon, yeah, it was tight again. Could have, should have gone into Q3. But in the race, I mean, it was a weird strategy, but it worked for them. And the fact that he pulled it off and managed to still get in the points... When the likes of Hamilton and Leclerc, drivers you'd expect to be more favourable to pull that off, weren't able to do it. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give him prep. I'm going to give him props for that, and uh, give him a nice four and a half. I'm probably being a little bit too generous, um, but no, I'm giving him four and a half stars for that. Well done, Esteban. He did a good job today. Um, who are we up to now? We're up to Aston Martin, uh, Stroll and Vettel. So Lance Stroll, of course, qualified P9, started P8, ended up in P9, and Sebastian Vettel. Who was in P10 as a result of Hamilton's penalty? So he qualified P11 and ended up finishing all the way down the order today in P18 after trying the dry tyres on a wet track strategy.
1: So I'm going to give uh, Lance Stroll four stars. Very solid weekend from him. And I'm going to give Sebastian Vettel two and a half. Very average.
0: Yeah, I'm going to give Lance four and a half. I think he did a very good job today. I don't think there was much more you could have expected from the car. Um, And he qualified well as well, getting into Q3 for Aston Martin. So good job for them. Uh, Sebastian Vettel, uh, yeah, I'd say two and a half. Because, you know, qualifying wasn't too bad. He just missed out on Q3. And on a dry track, that might have been favourable with the harder tyres, which would have been a good option, which we never saw, of course, because of the rain. Um, But on a wet track like today, he wasn't able to get the benefit of that. And he was driving well for a time. But that strategy call, you are either a hero or an idiot. And today, him and Aston Martin collectively were an idiot. Um, on, on the subject of Vettel, obviously you've seen the the new crash helmet design that he was wearing this weekend uh, about water preservation and the uh, you know, the water creatures and everything else. I mean, it's it's just I'm I'm doing a real, you know, I'm not doing it justice because of um, you know, there's much more to it than just how I've described, but it just goes to show once again how Sebastian Vettel is clearly one of the most wholesome people on the F1 grid and how so many people have just warmed to love him because of that. You know, he really is someone that does, um, he does care, I suppose is the best Mm. way of putting it. So, it's kind of sad that I have to give him such a crappy rating this weekend, but you know that unfortunately. This, I, is, all
1: about, this is all about what they do on track, not off it. That's, if that's I'm the judging, way yeah,
0: if I'm judging Vettel based on who he is as a person and how kind he is and how big his heart is, he's getting ten stars, not just five. Unfortunately, I've got to judge him on his driving this weekend, and you know his strategy calls, and they weren't so great by comparison. So no, two and a half for Vettel, I'm afraid, and a nice four. For Lance stroll, um, let's move on to oh, I keep forgetting who it's next. It's uh, we'll do Williams, shall we? We're up to we'll Williams. Do Williams? Then. Yeah, let's do Williams. Um, George Russell qualified P fourteen, I believe. Uh, no, sorry, thirteen. Excuse me, sorry. And uh, finished in P fifteen. Latifi P seventeen qualifying and started the race. Uh, sorry, finished the race in P seventeen as well.
1: Going to give George Russell three and a half because we've come to expect. More from him, particularly on a Saturday, and the TV going to give him a free. That's exactly where you expect the TV to start and finish a race. So I'm going to give the TV free.
0: Yeah, I'm not even going to add my thoughts on that. I'm just going to agree with you and move on with the exact same scores. Uh, Alfa Romeo. Um, so they had a bad qualifying, but <laughs> no, Burnley, sorry. Burnley, otherwise known as. Um, qualified 18th and 19th, Giovinazzi, Raikkonen, respectively. And they finished 11th and 12th, Giovinazzi and Raikkonen, respectively, as well.
1: I'm going to give them both three and a half, just because they improved from their qualifying positions.
0: I'm going to give them both a four. You know, they were quite quiet today. Qualifying wasn't great. Um, And but the race, you know, they kept their noses clean. They didn't make any mistakes. The strategy was obviously spot on. And if they were on the lead lap, they might have got themselves a point. So they were very unlucky. But I'm going to say four stars. I'm going to be generous to them. I think someone has to at the moment. And I'm much more excited, like most people are, to see what develops in terms of their driver lineup next year uh, or what branding is going to be associated. Will it be Alfa Romeo or Andretti? I'm so intrigued by this Andretti rumor. I really am. And the Any fo-
1: intrigue will do. It
0: is, you know, something like that. You know, such a big IndyCar franchise. Of course, signing Roman Grosjean, of course, for next season. So that'd be fun to keep an eye on. And um, you know, I, F1 needs more of an American input in terms of the drivers and the teams as well. It has the track, it has the fan base, it's got the market. Clearly, there's a niche there that the Americans love their F1, and I'm loving the fact that they're getting on board with this. I think it's great for the sport. It just needs the driver. And maybe the team, I mean, we have Haas who are technically American owing to their association with Gene Haas, but that's literally as far as it goes. They're like any other team in Europe. It just has an American owner and we don't even know how long that's going to be the case for. So it'd be really cool if we had someone like Andretti and I think someone like Colton Herter. I know that's a name that's been thrown about a lot. I'd love to see how he gets on in F1 and he's like 23 now. So the transition into Formula 1 I think that'd be really really a good time for him and I'd love to see how Colton gets on I mean there's so many great drivers like Paso Award another good driver that should have been in F1 with a Red Bull program and it just never really happened so you know we'll have to wait and see that bridge between IndyCar and F1 it does need to um it it does need to be built you know because there are F1 drivers going into IndyCar but there's not really any synergy the other way so yeah let's watch this space and see how that goes down and that brings us nicely to the final team Haas uh Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin Mick Schumacher of course uh started on the grid P14 in qualifying incredible job for him could have probably got a bit more in qualifying because he's both his laps were compromised for different reasons when he was on the softer tie and everyone else was on the mediums so he might have been able to get a few plays I don't think Q3 was realistic um but then of course Mazapin starting dead last and well not dead last p18 I should I should say because of uh signs and Ricardo but finishing dead last of course Mazapin and Mick Schumacher finishing in 19th
1: I'm gonna give Mick maca four and a half mainly because of the recognition he deserves Saturday so I'm gonna give him four and a half for that um Mazapin I'm just gonna just I'm gonna give him two um two yeah, there's not much he could do with the car. He was it was getting in the way when he's being lapped again. So if anything, he's lucky to get two stars, but it is what it is.
0: I'm trying not to laugh, because it's like we should really be judging them on their merits of what is realistic for them in terms of what they can put together. And and you'd expect Mazepin to be last, probably more than any other driver in the field, and yet somehow he's still well below par in, in a lot of people's minds in terms of what he puts together. It's crazy, but that's the reality of Formula 1. So I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, I'm going to be a bit more generous to Mazabin. I'm just going to say free, just average, you know, didn't really do much. The qualifying was basically as a result of two drivers getting engine penalties. So they had to start behind them anyway, and they wouldn't have done so any in the race. Um, it's finished last. I'm going to give Mick, do you know what? I'm going to be, maybe this is my Schumacher bias coming out a little bit, but I'm going to give Mick a five. Um, and for P19, a five star rating has a lot you know you need to explain yourself to give him that but Mick did an incredible job to get into Q2 and it's not the first time he's done it either although this time he didn't have to crash into the wall and cause a red flag to get it done like he did in France so you know he actually did it on merit in difficult conditions as well let's not be said not the easiest and in the most difficult car to drive as well so for me I think that's incredible I think the qualifying performance that like he could have not started the race and I still would have given him an incredible rate and just for that alone Um, and in the race if it wasn't for getting tagged by Fernando Alonso he probably would have still finished in P19 as as the race unfolded but do you know what he was a long way behind his teammate after that because of that and he managed to not only find his way back and then overtake his teammate but he literally was like 20 seconds ahead of him in the race as well so it's like almost a pit stop so for that reason I'm giving Mick a solid five stars I think he needs to be shown some love today and I think he did an incredible job this weekend and I'm hoping a lot of teams are paying attention to this too because we are seeing Mick Schumacher make those incremental improvements that we hoped he would as he did in his uh, you know, feeder series days in his junior career and I'm sure a lot of teams are taking notice of that because he could potentially be a very good driver in the future. But I think that wraps everything up, Corny, very, very nicely uh, unless there's anything else you wanted to add in before we wrap this episode up
1: no i think i was just uh just admiring your love for mick schumacher there adam that's all i need to say
0: (laughs) yeah there's definitely a schumacher bias coming out there and if i'm going to praise the father i'm certainly going to be following the son as well and that's not a religious thing well if you like um but anyway look um it's been it's been nice actually this one it's been a bit of a different structure i'm hoping you guys enjoyed it so it's a little bit longer than we normally do but let us know what you think we're experimenting uh, yeah, we're, we're experimenting with the structure a structure but to try and cover more of the race itself rather than just going through team by team by team as we used to do in the past. But let us know what you think. Let us know about the events of the race, how you felt that all went down. Do you think that it's advantage for Stappen now following up another race that Mercedes could have really pulled away from? And are you hoping to see more performances from Sergio Perez and Valtteri Bottas like we saw today? Of course, if you enjoyed the video or the podcast, depending on what you're listening to us on, please consider liking it and subscribing to either the YouTube channel if you're watching us on YouTube or your favourite podcasting platform if you are listening to that accordingly. And of course, do leave us a review if you can. We really, really would appreciate that. We'll read out any five-star reviews that you give to us on the show and make sure to share that with anyone who likes f1 who wants to listen to us talk f1 or wants to weigh in make sure to share it increase that size of the dnf1 family we've got plenty of room for you all and we absolutely love doing this show for you um all that's left to say guys is we've been dnf1 thank you so much for tuning in stay safe and we'll see you in the next episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast take care